Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by TheRinger.com.com and The Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find podcasts such as, I don't know, the Bill Simmons Podcast. Have you heard of that one, folks? Hey. Uh, Kyle, you are, you're burning the candle at both ends here. Yes, La- you're, you're, I, I, Bill, is Bill doing a pod every single finals game? Yes. Uh, more or less, give or take a game. It, it feels like... It feels like he's doing one after every single playoff game. I think we've done game one, game two, game three, and game five. Wow. Let me just say that I've noticed uh, that I have asked you to like go to a bar like three or four different times, and you've told me no. no. It's like shocking. That's why I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's like falling out. All these declines. I'm like, Kyle, you want to watch the game tonight? He's like, I can't. I'm like, hold on. Kyle. Are you in there? What Kyle, happened? Are you there? Kyle, 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 wake up. <laughs> uh, go check out Bill. He has Rosillo on like every other day. Rosillo is on every podcast. Um, he's going to come in back America. Really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, really? Much, every single if podcast. You go to sports, you can just go down and it's with Ryan Rosillo. Rosillo walked into our office yesterday um, and he he started talking and and then he he goes, hang on a second. He stopped. And then he grabbed a microphone and put it up to his mouth and then started talking. And then he was like, I, he's like, it's just a tick. I have to have a microphone in front of me to, mm-hmm. to talk. And I was like, well, it's, you're, in, you're in too deep here, Yeah, man. part of the gig. It's, uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcasting world. I uh, also want to plug Fairway Rolling. The, uh, the U.S. Open is coming up on Thursday. Joe House, is, uh, he's got his golf podcast talking about golf. Yeah. All things golf. And, uh, and, and his sponsors are always like the, the golf sponsors. I don't know what I mean by That's that. Callaway. I just, I, I'm just very jealous of the sponsors that House has, and House gets. He's like, "Hey, I got free clubs. You guys want some?" And I'm like, "Yeah, shoot yes. your shot. Yes, right I now. do." Callaway, sponsor the pod, please. Um, go check out Fairway Rolling. The U.S. Open's happening. Then uh, the question on everyone's mind is: Tiger back? Mm-hmm. He won the Masters tape, but does that count? I don't know. We'll have to see how he plays. <laughs> I, think it, I think it officially counts. Uh, back at Pebble Beach, we remember um, 2000. Speaking of being back, Tate, you're back, and you're back. You are back, but also you're ba- and like in the possessive term, you're mm-hmm. back question mark. But you are also back. I am also back, and I will say uh, I had my Ferris Bueller moment. He is someone that was my role model growing up, and uh, <laughs> based on the last podcast, <laughs> and I your pro- Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah, every single person in the world was reaching out to me to say, "What happened? Are you getting mm-hmm. emergency back surgery?" There, there was the truth to the fact that I was in the ER. Overnight. That a lot was of all, floating that, rumors, yeah. A lot of floating rumors, but I've never seen... I didn't know this many people at this company. One, knew who I was. Two, were willing to reach out. And three, you guys sent me cookies. So uh, We did. I did not get the cookies they, on time. They arrived a day late. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that you guys got the cookies in California and then shipped them across the yes. country, uh, which was, you know, well, maybe not the best approach, but also very thoughtful, very nice. Our, so, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Here's the story. Our, Insomnia cookies are everywhere. They our, have them in North Carolina. Our uh, esteemed colleague, Liz Kelly, who, who hosts the Tea Time podcast, mm-hmm. um, uh, she... She was the one that was organizing because let's be honest, Kyle and I are idiots, and yeah. we we had no idea how to one to, track to do mind, this. Yeah. So so Liz Liz was uh was was put in charge, and I, I, I let me rephrase that she she volunteered. It wasn't like I said, Liz, do this, you know. Um, but she 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 asked me for your address, your parents' address, where you live in North Carolina, because mm-hmm. uh uh you know where are we gonna send these cookies? So I give Again, her the address. Please never give that out. I'm not giving the address out. <laughs> To the people, but I did. I told her the town you live in. Uh, you've you've made no bones about this. You're from the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tell I tell Liz the town, and she searches like bakeries in this town. It, it, the point of the story, Kyle, is that the number one result when you search the bakeries of Tate Fraser's hometown is Walmart. Okay. <laughs> 
Shout out Walmart Distribution Center. All my people there working, Walmart. working hard. You know what it I mean? Like the, the Yelp review is number one, Walmart. Yeah, if Get you your want to get at Walmart. some of the bakery in Oxford, North Carolina or in Henderson, North Carolina, you got to call the bakery. They don't have a website. Right. That's not how that works. The number two result was like the Subway pre-made. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you're fine now. You're back. You're good. Are you 100%? G- give us a percentage. Give us a sliding scale of, uh, of, of where you stand today. I give us the f- Coach K injury report. I kind of feel like, you know, as a podcast, we were down 3-1. Okay. And I wasn't feeling great. I did a little workout, and uh, I wasn't feeling well at all. But yet, I looked at my teammates, looked at my brothers right here, looked at you guys, mm-hmm. you know. And I said to myself, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go out there and make some shots for my team. Granted, I probably will be done about, you know, first quarter, second quarter of this podcast. But right now, I'm feeling good. Okay. Looking good, dancing around. So you're about to tear fun. your Achilles. Gotcha. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Might just uh, have to get back to it. Yeah, we'll yeah, see what yeah, happens. Gotcha. Three uh, weeks away. Today, we are going to talk about, there's massive, massive news in our world that broke while Tate was away. Uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina and Ohio State are going to play. We're going to talk about that. Um, and, and Massive and, news. Massive yes. news. Uh, also, there's some rule changes we want to get to. There's uh, the trial of the century, I think, is finally wrapped up. I think the sentencing. Uh, massive, massive news, Tate. Real um, big letdown compared to the last century's trial of the century with OJ. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. Like, we really, we really fell down. Sort of the same. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we're having our friend Sam Vecini in. Uh, if uh, the bag does not drop, then it is a flop. <laughs> And then we are going to we're going to talk to our friend Sam Vecini. He's an NBA draft expert. This guy is I, I've never met anyone who's as nuts about the NBA draft as he is. Um, we were watching last night Game Five with him, and we we're like, "Hey, you should come into the studio and and talk to us about the draft because we don't know shit." And then that way we can kind of take the podcast off, hand it over to you, let you talk, and then uh, that's how it works. And then every, everything works out well. So we're gonna have Sam in. We're gonna talk to him. He he. He really, really knows everything about every single one of these players. That's that's what we love about him. So uh, we're going to talk to him and break down some draft stuff. Uh, we will get to all of it, but first. Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate, before we get into the ACC Big Ten Challenge games, before we talk about the three-point line moving yet again in college basketball, before we, we get to the trial of the century, <laughs> which I don't, have, I don't have the enthusiasm to like continue with the bit, the trial of the century bit. Like I'm just kind of like, uh, who gives a shit? Well, we have to talk about it just because we've limped our way all the way to the finish line. We might as well limp our way through the finish line and get this fucking thing over with. But um, before we get to that, we do have to talk about the story in the basketball world. Uh, game five was last night. The The Warriors come back, and, and they don't come back. They had the lead. The Raptors come back, take the lead, and then the Warriors come back again and, and win the game. And um, Man, you should have really know. written that game yeah, story. That's a great, great recap. <laughs> if you missed the game, now you know what happened. Um, but... You know, the, but it, it was less about what happened, like the the outcome of the game, and more about the the story within the game that everyone is talking about. It is it is dominant. All the talking heads have opinions on it, um, and I figured we should spend some time talking about it. How the fuck did Mike Bray get courtside seats in Toronto, Canada, for Game Five when there's like eight seats available and Drake has six of them? How did this happen, Tate? This is the story. I don't want to hear any other talk about any other story. <laughs> what what? It was one of those things where, as the camera panned by, I see what looks like a Mike Bray character. And uh, granted, you know, uh, courtside seats, a lot of people look like Mike Bray. You know what I mean? Slick yes. back hair, yes. you know, sitting there, arms the crossed. crossed. arms, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So they panned by him one time. I'm like, is that Mike Bray? I don't say anything out loud because that seems erroneous. You know what I mean? To say, it's preposterous. Why to, would to Mike Bray? say Mike Bray is sitting courtside, you would say, no, he's not. You're an idiot. Yes. So I'm waiting for a second. Then 
Steph Curry shows up on the screen. It's a dead ball. And I look behind him, and there he is, just cheesing hard as ever. <laughs> Mike Bray, li- listening to Steph Curry, looking at the ref, hitting his boy to the side, and he's like, this is it. This is Raptors basketball. We still don't know necessarily how he was sitting front row. Mm. There has been speculation. I thought maybe it was an Under Armour thing. Everyone mm. was like, no, there's no way. They would never do that. Mm. I don't know. Apparently, he may know someone that's rich that uh, donated a lot of money to Notre Dame that apparently has some sort of minority ownership with the Raptors. Apparently, that's what someone was saying. I didn't fact check it. I don't care. But regardless, but even that- Mike Bray is sitting courtside listening to Steve Kerr, like taking notes. Uh, very invested in the game all around. There's no Notre Dame players in this game, right. by the way, which is the other thing. We're like, is Jeremy Grant somewhere stashed on a bench that we don't know about? Is Matt um, Farrell? I started looking at the roster. I was like, is Matt Farrell in the Raptors? I didn't realize that. Damn. <laughs> they called him up from the G League to help with Jeremy Lin just in case. Uh, I don't know what this means, but all I know it was good for us, and it was good for college basketball, and it was great for Mike Bray. I, I still do not understand. As you said, even the explanations you gave uh, are not entirely clear as to, to how he ended up courtside. Like, mm-hmm. it, yes, he knows the Notre Dame guy who owns some of the... Like, it, none, none of it makes sense still. <laughs> because even at the end of the day, like, you would think there'd be someone richer that would step up and say, no, I want those seats. For Mike Bray to end up there is is, is very confusing, but I loved it. It was, it was. I honestly couldn't... As soon as you pointed him out to me, I couldn't take my eyes off him as they were showing him. And he's... He, he did the patented arm cross, and then he mm-hmm. leans over to talk to this guy. And that, that I didn't believe you at first, but that was when I saw it. I saw the arms crossed, and he started leaning over. And I was like, yeah, that's Mike Bray. And then we got the close-up shots and got confirmation. Mike Bray looks exactly like my church league basketball coach from when I was a kid, Coach Hubbard, Bobby Hubbard. He looks mm-hmm. exactly like him, and he acts exactly like him. So whenever I see him, I have these weird like deja vu moments of like, what is going on here? And Mike Bray is just, uh, just living up to the moment. It does, Mike Bray in Canada does not make sense to me. Mike Bray, It doesn't seem like Mike Bray. I know he lives in South Bend, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, so like, what's really the difference between South Bend, Indiana and Canada, like the climate and the all that kind of stuff. But he just strikes me as a guy who as soon as the season ends, he's he's headed straight to a beach and he's not leaving until like September. And then he's coming back. And that's yeah. That that's that's all so the fact that he went north from South Bend, Indiana is uh was very shocking to me. So I don't know. The only explanation I, I could hear is if he was recruiting someone from Toronto. If he is Ooh, going full in like on that. Canadian yeah. basketball where he's I like, like I'm starting to I'm bringing Canadian kids in, you know what I mean? This is the time. He, it would have been awesome if he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt like, like he's a Maui. <laughs> he has flip flops and <laughs> Yeah, everyone thinks it's just a Maui Hawaiian thing. He's like, No, this is just how I dress. This is, I uh, I am Tommy Bob. This is what I wear. Um yeah. So uh by the way, the finals, mm. pretty good. Heating up. Heating up, to say the least. It's, uh, and it's, we, uh, we, yeah. we should point out, uh, Mike Bray would have been at Drake's OVO party had they won the finals last night. Mike Bray would have been there, and that would have been something that we really would have enjoyed. Drake was on another level. We can get to Drake a little bit later. But first, I do want to point out what we, you know, everyone actually is talking about, which is Kyle Lowry. How do you hit the side <laughs> of the backboard? My God. I mean, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Kyle Lowry had a great game. I hate that everyone pounds on like. It just seems like everyone on Twitter, I, I should say, not in real life, no one really talks like this usually, but they wait for the thing that they already perceive to be the case to mm-hmm. then pound it home that it is true. So everyone's like, Kyle Lowry is not good in the playoffs. Kyle Lowry gets an open shot to possibly win the game. He hits the side of the backboard. <laughs> I think it was blocked by Draymond Green. I'll be honest. But that happens and people are just like, this is the Kyle Lowry I know, despite him having such a great game before. I'll be honest. This is me. This is... Uh, <laughs> as the- <laughs> you were on Twitter, yes. <laughs> I don't have... I don't know. Uh, I... I, I you know, I, I I I make no secret about it that I don't I don't closely follow the NBA throughout the regular season. So I just pop in for the playoffs, and then I kind of read what people are saying, and and then watch the games. Bit and you know this is how it works. So I'm kind of reading what people are saying to fill me in, and then I'll watch the games, and I read that Lowry sucks in the playoffs, 
And then I, I swear, like every game I would watch, uh, he's been great in the finals, but like uh, on the Raptors run, I wasn't watching every single Raptors game. And I felt like every single Raptors game I would tune into, Lowry would be horrible. And so I just kind of had in my mind that Lowry's bad. And then he's playing well in the finals. And I'm turning to people and I'm like, man, where did this come from? And they're like, he's actually been pretty good all year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Because the games <laughs> I watch, he sucks. Um, so yeah, that was me. He hit the side of the backboard and I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> there he is. I'm going to give credit to Draymond. I think he blocked it. But uh, regardless, that's that's where we're at in he the finals. It, it, as, doesn't, as, it as, doesn't matter. What matters is that Kawhi didn't shoot the ball. And if it doesn't go in, like, everyone's mad. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're not, if someone on the Raptors other than Kawhi is going to shoot the last shot, you have to make it or the internet's going to lose its mind. In the words of Kawhi Leonard. And he did not make it. He hit the side of the backboard. They say, Kawhi, <laughs> why did you not take the last shot? Kawhi looks at the guy, confused by the question, and goes, um... When two people are guarding you at the same time, <laughs> you usually pass it because that means someone else is open. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Mm. I guess that's mm. right, Kawhi. I guess that makes sense. Uh, but can we get to the bigger story and what really uh, ended up being uh, the talk of the town and what everyone is really talking about? And that is, of course, Kevin Durant. A guy that mm. I saw so much stuff before the game about, you know, Kevin Durant, how hurt is he? What is the situation? Was he sandbagging? You know, this is a term that we brought up. Eric Musselman, the king of sandbaggers. Mm-hmm. Where, this is what people were saying about Kevin Durant before. I was talking to Kyle before. I had heard that it was a seven-week injury. He was not going to come back. And then when I found out he was going to play in game five, I said to Kyle, basically, I'm upset because I feel like I have been lied to. He must not have been as hurt as, you know, what was purported to be the case from what I thought was a reliable source. And now I am... Uh, confused by the whole situation. I think a lot of people felt like that as soon as he came out. When he hit that first three, I think it was two to two, Curry kicks yep. out, hits the first three. It's a boom, and looks like real Kevin, normal Kevin Durant. Everyone's like, oh my goodness. People are freaking out. Kevin Durant is coming back for his LeBron moment. This is all setting up to be the case. And I think that comes to the larger discussion of like Kevin Durant himself in this whole world has just been trying to prove himself to be it's like in Birdman you know what I mean he just wanted to prove the whole time that he is an artist and, and he has <laughs> and he has these and he has this critic that is basically like you're not an artist you are not you are nothing you 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 think that you want to be this you don't really love this art you don't really love this game you're not really this guy and Kevin Durant was like I will go out on this stage mm-hmm. put it all on the line put my body on the line to prove mm-hmm. to you that this is the case and we saw it happen in real time and I think that's a sickening problem that we've gotten to that point where he felt he had to get there to do that, to prove that. Because we know we know he's a finals MVP. We know he's one of the best players we've ever seen play the game of basketball. But I think, like, the virtue of ignorance, you know, the fact that we are there at that point that Kevin Durant was like, I have to, he was like, I have to shoot myself in front of this crowd to show that I will dedicate myself <laughs> yeah. to this and, and, and do everything I can for my team to win. And I think that is a beautiful thing in, in one way, but it is a horrific thing in the other sense that, we are going to lose Kevin Durant right now to an Achilles injury, and that is heartbreaking. So you think that he's trying to? I, I had this discussion with someone um, before the final started. I forget, I forget who, and I, it doesn't really matter, but um, <laughs> it's irrelevant. But uh, we 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 kind of arrived at the Gray? point. It might have been. Mm-hmm. We arrived at the point that uh, Kevin Durant is the greatest NBA player, the greatest basketball player of all time, who basically has no fans. There's mm-hmm. no one on the internet that's defending Kevin Durant. There's no one that's like, when you're making a list of the greatest forwards of all time and Durant's listed ninth, there's no one that's in the replies like, 
you're wrong, dude. What about my guy KD? Like mm-hmm. no one's doing that except Durant on his own burner accounts, right? Um, so he he's he's arrived at this weird place where he he doesn't really have fans for a lot of different reasons. And and your your theory is that this was he this is this is beating him up over and over of like why don't people love me? Why don't they appreciate my art? Um, I and, like to think so, that, that yeah. like in the words of like in in the sense that. Birdman, he's trying to kill off Birdman. Everyone's like, "You're Birdman." Everyone is going to Kevin Durant. You're the snake. Mm-hmm. You're the snake. You're the snake. And he and he just sees that and feels that and hears that and reads that. We know that he does. Right. Yes. And every single time that he does that, he's thinking to himself, "I have to do something to prove to these people it hasn't been a Finals MVP, hasn't been back to back championships. None of this has worked." Every single time I here, thought take I, my Achilles. No, you I motherfuckers. Mean, no, here I will yeah. do whatever it takes. You know that I'm a free mm-hmm. agent. You know that I have a max contract that I need to be ready for. I could have just sat out, but instead I'm going to come back and do everything I can. And then this happens, which I think that's what it was like the most unfair thing. I, I, I honestly like I was hurt because. Kyle will tell you this. I mean, Kevin Durant, we did these podcasts with Bill Simmons. A lot of times you're with these. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you did, Durant was on Bill's pod? Yeah. No shit. I'll have to go, I'll have to go Seven, check it out. Yeah. 17 yeah. times. I'll have to check it out. But the first eight or nine that he was on, we were basically like, a lot of these guys, they don't have to be nice to us. We're like, we're we're production guys. We're sitting mm-hmm. off to the side. Seen, we, not heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are we are just basically there to record and push a button in, in, most, in most senses, you know? Kevin Durant was genuinely so nice to me every single time, asked me legitimate questions, talked about the game of basketball. You could tell he loved the game of basketball. You could just tell that he was completely in his head about what everyone else was saying, about the rest of the world and what they were putting out to the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a sick cycle that a lot of people live in. And, this, and basketball itself is a beautiful game, and Kevin Durant loves the game of basketball. And I think all this other stuff clouds that truth. And I think we saw that at some level last night until, unfortunately, it ended like it did. I mean, this happens with a lot of things, right, on the internet that people r- rip people down. Yeah. And then you go too far. And then, like, I mean, it happened in real time with the Raptors fans where mm-hmm. he, he blows out his, his his Achilles. And then the Raptors fans are going crazy. And then the Raptors are like, the, the players themselves are like, what the hell are you guys doing? And then the, the fans start chanting KD, right? Yeah. Um. This is this is this happens in in society today. Mm-hmm. Is you just rip people down, then you see them and, and you're like, shit, did we go too far? You see them at their lowest moment, you're like, did we go too far? I think we did. And then now you praise them and pretend like you never ripped them down in the first place. And Bird I'm just man. as guilty. I'm just as guilty of it as anyone else. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think I don't think this Durant situation is that unusual to uh the world at large. But um, still, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. One thing that people aren't talking about is he's really really good and he's fun <laughs> to watch. Um, and now we're not gonna be able to watch him. But I will say, like, if if the Warriors do get him back for Game Six, <laughs> this this could be an interesting series. This could be interesting if you get Durant back, throw some ice on that thing, tape it up. <laughs> I just don't know. I I just I just feel like I'm a sorry. lot of this is going to be all. Yeah, you're having a great time. I'm, having, all, I'm, I'm not having a great. I'm just like I would. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, what what else do you say? It sucks. You say it yeah. sucks a thousand times. Um, it it's it's it, it is horrible. I mean, like, yeah, it, it and it is. It is almost uh, it, there's, there's a le- there, maybe there is a lesson to be learned here that it was Durant because like if Curry if it happens with Curry, everyone I'm not really sure we learned a lesson. It's like a guy that we love, the guy that we've been cheering for all this time got hurt. That really sucks. I don't know what the lesson is here, but mm-hmm. the fact that it was Durant, a guy that's been ripped to shreds by everybody, has been called a snake, all that other and and deservedly so. I don't want to pretend like he's innocent in all this and mm-hmm. doesn't deserve the reputation he had, but still people would take it too far and say things about him. Um, and then the moment that. He he blows out his Achilles and shows that he's a he he really loves basketball and he's a warrior and all that kind of stuff. Um, everyone's like, "Oh, we're sorry, my bad." My whole point is he should have never been in a position where he felt like he had to do that, right? 
Like he. But should, I would say I would say I don't think I don't think the stuff off the court. I don't think the perception of him. I don't think that really ultimately would have made a difference. Like if people love Durant, I still think he would have tried to play. I think he's just like hardwired. Yeah, he loves to just play game. basketball. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, Isaiah Thomas is. I saw him yeah. tweeting about it last night. Like Isaiah Thomas w- was playing basically with no foot at one point in the finals game. You know, what I mean? yeah. like he like couldn't even like right. land. Yes, and he just kept playing because that's he, when men were men. Well, yeah. no, he just couldn't imagine the idea of not being able to be on the court. And I think that's what Kevin and when he was walking off. I mean, Drake's reaction. I don't know if you guys saw this. I mean. I did, yeah. Degrassi, he's he's been method since Degrassi. I think Drake still might be at Degrassi with that reaction. I mean, it it was, I think, a, a nice sentiment at some level. But I mean, <laughs> man, <laughs> Drake, know, Drake knows what it's like to live in a wheelchair. Uh, That's yeah. what I mean, he was just <laughs> go, he was just going knows, crazy uh, yeah. at, at a whole another level. So that was a great Drake moment that we saw last night. I mean, we all feel for Kevin Durant. I just wanted to make the point that I just I don't understand why we have to rip people and it's all funny. Like Kyle Lowry was what I was talking about earlier. It's like. Kyle Lowry had a great game. Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. was terrible in the third quarter. Kyle Lowry kept him in that game. Danny Green played great defense. And then Kyle, you know, then Kawhi went crazy in the fourth. But Kyle Lowry hits the side of the backboard. And then it's the whole thing is like, this this man's a bum. Yeah. It's like, no, it's uh, uh he's not. Yeah. People are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to do about it. I don't I don't uh, understand. It. Uh new at five o'clock. People are assholes, folks. <laughs> Coming up next on the the late local news. Uh Speaking of uh, of not ripping people apart. Speaking of of let's be nice to one another. Let's let's not have any animosity. Cole Anthony <laughs> is going to play Ohio State. Tate, we yes. need to talk about this. <laughs> this is is that how it's framed? It's Cole Anthony. It's basically versus Ohio, the reason the I framed the State. reason I framed it like that is because I asked you yesterday who is North Carolina's starting five. It was basically four scrubs and Cole Anthony. There's no one I fear in Carolina. Leaky Black. Who? Whom? Exactly. Um. Ohio State's playing North Carolina in the in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, we, we have a few things we have to get to. Number one, are we going? That's what the people want to know. This is happening on December 4th. We have plenty of time, folks, but uh, th- this is big news in our world. We have to start planning it now. I think we are definitely going. We are 100% going. You and I will definitely go to North Carolina and go to that game. I don't know what that <laughs> means as far as will Kyle be there? Will we are do we, a show? Yeah. Yes, I, I think that we will be at the game. I think we can knock that off. Uh, quickly, I, I want to point this out. You did bring this up to one of my roommates, Patrick Ewing, and you said to him, uh, you know, Michael. Yeah, 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 yeah. He basically, he, uh, you came up to him and said, are you excited for the Big Ten Challenge? <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? Assuming, I guess, it's football. You're like, no, it's, uh, yeah. it's Big Ten. Ohio State's playing Carolina. No idea. No idea. No idea. Yeah, it, it, did not, a, it did not go through the North Carolina Yeah, you guys don't race. care about basketball. No, we just, you're, you're not, you're not yeah, really a basketball yeah. state. That's yeah, what I learned. We're, from, we're, uh, we will play Indiana in the Big Ten Challenge. Um, I, I was shocked to discover that Carolina is actually not that good in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They beat, they beat Ohio State twice, so I'm not talking shit from that angle. It's Manifest Delaney. Yeah. Oh, it's a little. Oh, a little okay. Carolina is, there. I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, we we tend to struggle. Michigan, of course, blew out Carolina last mm-hmm. year. Brad Dacus made Luke May look like never Luke forget May for Mike Azell dunking on Marcus Page mm-hmm. in the Dean Dome. I'll never forget watching that game. Oh, that was the that was that game was being played before Duke Wisconsin in 2015. Mm-hmm. Duke was playing at Wisconsin. It was a, 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 a the first matchup of what ended up being the national title game that year, and I was in Madison for that game. And I was in the uh, the little press room watching Carolina and, and Iowa and Mike Gazelle dunked on Marcus Page. And I was covering that game. I'll never and, forget uh, that. I remember in the press conference afterwards, I wanted to ask Marcus Page if he thought it was worth it to schedule that game against Iowa. Because they did that game because he was from Iowa. Uh, you know, Roy made that little deal where we wanted to have a little Iowa. Oh, he Iowa. wanted to play yeah, Iowa yeah, 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 because, yeah. Yeah, then get yammed on. 
Interesting. Uh, so we we are we doing a bet? That's the other thing. <laughs> we have to we have to come up with some sort of bet. We should we should give this to the the people. I think let them decide what we do. But I I don't know because I the the one idea I had was that um I think whoever wins should have like mute mute button privileges on the podcast. That would be kind of Ooh. interesting, Kyle. If mm-hmm. like after for a full week after the game, if like Ohio State wins and Tate's talking and I just don't like what he's saying, I'm just like Tate, shut up. And then I just shut him up real quick, and then I that's can, called I one shining them. podcast. Have you listened? <laughs> ah, nice, <laughs> nice. That's the, um, <laughs> no, that's it a, is. That's not a fair. Hold bet. on, hold on. Tough we'll, talking. Um, we'll, we'll figure out. I, I don't. I like the idea of that. I don't know. Honestly. I don't know. I, I was. I was spitballing. I was like trying to think of what else. Because because I would. I would do. I would do crazy shit. I would shave my head. I would do mm. whatever. Whatever. But I would. I would not get a tattoo. That's a little much. Come on, man. How um, long's it been? Um, but Jesus. I, I, I'm willing to do some things, mm. but, uh, I don't know. We have, we have to arrive on what you're willing to do. You don't seem too worried about it though. I am not too worried about it, but also it's one of those things where I am sure the Titus curse will come into full effect. The Titus curse is in full effect. There. Also the DJ Carton curse. I just mm. want to, I, I want to task everyone listening with some homework of just go Google DJ Carton, Ohio state. Uh, he is, he is going to. Rip Cole Anthony apart limb by limb. Uh, everyone's going to be talking about the one freshman point guard going into this game. They're going to come out of this game talking about the other freshman point guard. I'm just going to say that. I'm so excited for DJ Carden. Um, that's too much talk on Ohio State North Carolina. <laughs> I think people, <laughs> this game is six months away, but uh, it is happening. ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, Duke is at Michigan State as well. Yes. What other games are we looking forward to? We got the rematch of the Elite Eight game, Virginia at Purdue. Mm-hmm. God's plan versus the Mackey bathrooms. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all the Virginia fans that I know and love to travel to West Lafayette and get experience those bathrooms. What do you think is the biggest sales pitch of the Big Ten, ACC Big Ten Challenge with these games that got scared? Because I felt like every single hmm. one of them was like kind of, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, Duke, works. Michigan State's the one. Um, but that, that, would, that could that, be that, number one versus number two. How many times have we seen two? the iteration of Tom Izzo right, versus Coach K? exactly. I mean, I, I don't know how many more times I need to see it. This is, this is my complaint with this is that they always – they always want the the best matchups, obviously. So that's mm-hmm. good. We like that. It's just I want to see like the one that stood out to me is Florida State at Indiana. That's like a different matchup. I've never I don't remember the last time Florida State and Indiana played, but Indiana's probably not going to be that good. I don't know how good Florida State's going to be. So that mm-hmm. kind of sucks. So I get why it happens. It, it would just be nice every so often for one of these teams. The one that jumped out to me though, uh, Notre Dame at Maryland. If you would have if you went back to like 2012 even and said that Notre Dame and Maryland will be playing in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You would have been like, wow, Notre Dame joined the Big Ten. That's crazy. Also, it's, it makes it's a lot of wild. sense. You it's know pretty I mean? wild yeah. that like Notre yeah. Dame and Maryland are playing in the ACC Big Ten Close Challenge Chicago. for opposite conferences, and they should be represented. Yes. That's pretty crazy. It doesn't make much sense. And also, I want to point out, uh, Buzz Cut Brass, the, the redemption game for Markel yeah. Johnson will be happening. Wisconsin going to NC State. That's what I mean. I feel like we get these same matchups over and over, and it's kind of cool because it's, I guess, maybe rivalries sort of-ish. For me, not really. I mean, like the fact that like Buzzcut Brad will go to NC State and they'll boo the shit out of him. That's interesting. That's sort of intriguing. But um, I don't know. I I, I do want more I, more variety in what these ga- in the games that happen. How upset was Capel when he found out that Rutgers was coming to Pittsburgh for this game? <laughs> He's like, how am I going to get Jay-Z to come to the Rutgers game? How upset he's going to be when Rutgers wins? That's what I want to know. How upset he's going to be for that? we got six months to figure it out. Um, Yeah, so we we do have plenty of time. But, uh, yeah, we got to figure something out. we got to bet. We we also, I really do want to do a live show, I think. We're going to be in Carolina. We should try to set something up for Chapel Hill. yeah, I, I want to. I just basically want to troll all your people. I want to come out with Ohio State stuff. We, I, I kind of want to do it after the game though. That doesn't make any f- sense from a business perspective because we're going to kick your ass and no one's going to want to come to the show. Mm-hmm. But um, 
in my head, we beat Carolina. We do a live show, and I just come out and taunt all your people and brag about how great the Buckeyes are. And I'm sure that will really go over well with the crowd. Yeah, they really. Yeah, that would go over. You know, you're talking about Kevin Durant has zero fans. Like, I think the crowd would. You would become Kevin Durant. Coming from the guy in Bloomington, Indiana, who stood up and said, "I will fuck you up to to (laughs) one guy." To one guy. I think the phrase was all up. I think I would, I would fuck you up. Yeah, fuck of, you of his group, I'm gonna of, leave, of, of his team. He, he was basically going to assemble his team. Uh, you know, it was, five, it was, it was uh, a Prince uh, moment. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. assemble your crew. Um. All right, quickly, let's let's touch on the other shit in college basketball, and then we'll get to Sam Bassini. Uh, new rules. We got some new rules going on, Tate. The, the three-point line has moved, been moved back to 22 feet, 1.75 inches. It's basically the international line. It is the international yes, line. Yes, the FIBA line. Um, the the idea here is that, uh, what, Virginia won the national title, and we have to do something to make sure that never happens again, and we have to extend the pack line? Is that the thought process? That became the narrative That's when kind this of came what, out. Everyone, yeah. was like, the, everyone is so upset that Virginia won the title that they have to change the rules now. I mean, they changed in 2015 after Virginia's defense was... <laughs> suffocate. It was Virginia and Kentucky, but everyone was fine with Kentucky's defense because they were like pressing and they had Willie Cauley Stein picking up full court mm-hmm. and like it was sort of fun to watch. But Virginia was just as good defensively and they were not as fun to watch for people. So then they changed the shot clock the next year. Um, I, this really is a thing. I think people just hate Virginia basketball and, and they got the last laugh and won the title. So who cares? Tony Bennett was asked about it. He did not seem worried at all. Of course uh, not. Why Roy, would he... Roy Williams was asked about it. He did not seem worried. Every single coach that I saw that was asked specifically about the rule was basically like, "Yeah, our guys are shooting at twenty four feet anyway." Yeah, if you're if you're Virginia, the Virginia's kryptonite has always been three point shooting because they mm-hmm. pack in the defense. Um, if if people are raining threes on them, we've talked about this ad nauseum, especially with the UMBC thing. Yes. Uh, if if teams are making shots, there you go. They're they're in trouble. I don't understand how this is a bad thing for Virginia that now the three-point shot has become even more, more difficult. difficult for yes. other teams to hit. So, like, your kryptonite has become harder to obtain. That seems like a good thing for Virginia. So, good job, NCAA. You and handed I, Virginia I, another title. Yeah, and, good, and good on you for pointing that out because every single no one said that. Everyone's like, this is tough for Virginia. Yeah. Tough day for Tony Bennett's basketball team. Yeah, they just like, don't. I, yeah, they, they already don't guard the three-point line <laughs> that much anyway. Mm. So, like, now, yeah, this is great. But I will say, like, we might as well just move it back to the NBA line. Like, that's 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 where we're ending up with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna Virginia's gonna win another title in the next five years, and they're like, move it back again, and it's gonna end up at the NBA line, and then Virginia's gonna win another title, and they're like, fuck, we don't know what to do. Now. And then they're just gonna get rid of the G League, and the NCAA <laughs> is gonna become the G League. <laughs> And it's going to NBACAA. They're gonna they're, they're gonna figure something. They're I don't gonna know. we'll figure it out. We'll, they're gonna we'll work on that. They're gonna conspire to get Tony Bennett the hell out of college basketball. <laughs> they're gonna get him hired by. They're gonna they're gonna start changing the NBA rules. The Celtics. To, there you go. <laughs> the new Stevens. <laughs> a little more seasoned um, and also a champion. The other rule that I really like is the uh, the shot clock resetting to twenty mm-hmm. on an offensive rebound. That is a good rule um, because it's it, it's completely unnecessary to do the thirty thing. I'm I'm just worried about if you if you actually go to these college basketball games and you see who's operating the the clocks. Listen, <laughs> yes, no disrespect to those guys. I know the guy who does it at Ohio State, mm-hmm. great man. But um, I backed into the guy that does it at Carolina one time. I mean, the infirmary. Some of these guys do not look like. They, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it. I don't, I don't really trust their their brain power to hit the mm-hmm. right button on an offensive rebound, like the thirty second button and the twenty mm-hmm. second. 
We're going to get some interesting situations It's and, like and hitting the wrong buttons. They learned to press yeah. buttons playing Pong. You know what I yeah. mean? So, like, that's a one to two thing. So I mean, uh, yeah, they've been, and, and all these guys, I swear, like, every guy who does this is, is like, 75, 76 and years old. And has been doing years. it for 50 years. Yeah. And their whole job is, like, just hit one button. Like, mm-hmm. you see the ball hit the rim, hit a button. Mm-hmm. It hits the rim, hit a button. Mm-hmm. And now they got to fit. Which one? It's like a trained NASA activity. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um. All right, finally, let's let's wrap up the uh, the big breaking the big uh, news of college basketball, and we'll talk to Sam. Um, Book Richardson since <laughs> the three months. I just want to. We have to say it. Just put a bow on the whole fucking thing and move on. Uh, Book Richardson is sentenced to three months, which is shocking that he got prison time at all. Tony Bland was sentenced to two years probation and a hundred hours of community service, and it's my understanding that it's all over now, right? It's all like the the FBI part of it all is over. This is it. The trial is done. All of this. The 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 guy comes out. What was it two years ago? Mm-hmm. Comes out uh, the 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 FBI dude, and he's got this flow chart. I, the press conference is what I'm talking about. Yes, and he's sticking his chest out, and he's saying, "We know your playbook," mm-hmm. and he's saying, "We're taking you all down." And you and I are calling each other, just like freaking out, and this is going to be the greatest shit ever, and we're losing our minds. And then we basically launch this podcast on the backs of the FBI thing, and we make that our whole shtick, the bag dropping. It's like, this is beautiful, this is mm-hmm. wonderful. College basketball is going to burn. Fast forward two years, and uh, one guy gets three months in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a victim. And, and, and he's a victim. And the judge, judge and it's Ramos, bullshit. Yeah, Judge Ramos is basically like, and I feel bad for Book Richardson, yeah. and I feel bad for Arizona. And that's how and, everyone's response was. Uh, everyone yeah. the, everyone online is like, why is this guy going to prison at all? This is horseshit. Yeah. And he got three months. You it's, know what I uh, thought would have been great is if uh, Judge Ramos stood up, you know, when they get done and he's walking out, you just see him, he's wearing like the new LeBrons. He has like Nike shoes on, yeah. just brand new and fresh. You're like, wait a second, do they get to the judge? <laughs> Hold on. But uh, good for Arizona, good for Sean Miller. He survived. Will Wade survived. Everyone survived except for Patino. Except for Patino. So poor one out for Patino. I I will continue to say, I'm going to continue to call my shot, that Patino will be back in college basketball because as more time passes and all these guys who clearly had their hand much deeper in the cookie jar, I should probably use a better metaphor than that with Rick Patino sticking Mm -hmm. her hands inside Mm -hmm. things. But um, they had their hands much deeper in the cookie jar than Patino did, and he was fired. I think as more time passes... uh, People are going to look at Patino and be like, what did he do exactly? Oh, hookers. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But is that, are we sure that's bad? Um, he's going to, he's going to get a chance. Just, I hope he gets like, a chance. Like Durant said after the game, he said he just took a tequila shot to feel a little bit better. You know, take <laughs> yeah. a shot at Casamigos, Rick Patino. Sports? Um, all right. We're going to talk to Sam Vecini. Uh, he, he is here. He is calling me right now saying, please let me in your studio. I have a lot of draft takes I want to share yes. with the world. So here is our interview, breaking down all things NBA draft with the one and only Sam Vecini. Sports. All right, before we talk to Sam Vecini, I wanted to talk about ZipRecruiter Tate. Finding a new job is a lot of work. You and I would not know this. Um, we, we stumbled across our jobs by what was it? You, you were delivering posters. Um, I was. My, I, mo- my mom said if you continue to do this, that I'm just delivering posters, she's going to flip out. <laughs> Your mom, she doesn't get the she's bit. She's like, you went to the University of North Carolina at mom, Chapel Mrs. Hill. Mrs. Frazier, it's a bit. I know. Do I need to, do I I need to screenshot no. joke? The yes. definition of joke. Yeah. It's like the thing on Twitter when you write something, you need like sarcasm. Yeah. You know, people are like, you're an idiot. You're like, I yes. Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, but Tate, what if you had your own personal recruiter to help you find a better job? ZipRecruiter's technology can do that for you. Just download the ZipRecruiter job search app. Let it know what kind of jobs you're interested in. And its technology starts doing the work. The ZipRecruiter app finds jobs you'll like and puts your profile in front of employers who may be looking for someone like you. If an employer likes your profile, ZipRecruiter lets you know. So if you're interested in the job, you can apply. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job search app. 
Go download the free ZipRecruiter job search app today and let the power of technology work for you. Do not wait. The sooner you download the free ZipRecruiter job search app, the sooner it can help you find a better job. And that's not all. We're also brought to you by Bombas. How often do you think about your socks? We're in a sock epidemic out here in California. People don't wear socks out here. Kyle they do not wear. It's yeah, the it's weirdest thing. It's uh, yeah. Why? I mean, what Dr. is that? Dr. Scholl's must make a killing out here. Uh, they're called Bombas, and Bombas sent us a ton of socks. It's in Kyle a ton of socks. We all wear socks here at uh, at our office. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They're made from super soft natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. With many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas looks great in the gym at the office and out on the town. Bombas are what feet daydream about. Best of all, for every Bombas purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash shining today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash shining for 20% off bombas.com slash shining. Sports. All right. Joining us in studio is our good friend, a man who we watched game five with last night, actually. Uh, He is the host of the Game Theory podcast. He is a writer for a little website called The Athletic. His name is Sam Vecini. And and I should say, Sam, I should start here. You do write for The Athletic. It is a subscription-based model. You're going to share some of your takes with us today that usually show up behind a paywall. So I would like to ask all of our listeners who do not subscribe to Athletic to please stop listening and um, delete the podcast immediately. Uh, honor, honor code here. Um, or... It, or Venmo, or, Sam Vicini. I'm in on this say, one. Yeah, yes. Venmo. Say, here Venmo. you go. Direct, <laughs> Venmo direct to you. Cut out the middle man. We're running, yeah. we're running a great deal here at The Athletic. For 10 cents, you get a full... <laughs> I see those tweets all the time. Um, Just a cup of coffee, apparently. Yeah, for the here. cost of a cup of coffee, you could save a kid in Africa, or you could subscribe to The Athletic. <laughs> I need to not get fired right now. <laughs> I need to protect my money, folks. Um, so I'm, we're having you on for a few reasons one you we've got to know you pretty well uh over the course of the last year or two or whatever um but two you are uh, outside of these walls i'm gonna i'm gonna pump up our own guys we have here at the ringer outside of ringer hq you are the one draft guy who obsesses over this shit to to a degree that makes me uncomfortable frankly yeah at a certain reasonable this morning you sent us your list of the top 120 prospects i'm not sure if you're aware of this uh you sent us a list of 120 there are only 60 draft picks Mm. so folks have you heard why why? In a, in a word, Sam, why do you why do you take the time to like break down Moses' Brown Moses's Moses Brown's game? Multiple Moses. Moses Moses's game, yes. Uh why 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 even bother? Why why? Who 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 is this for? Yeah, I think that you have to look at it from the perspective of like the athletes first and foremost. I tend mm-hmm. to look at it that way, uh, above all first and foremost. But you know the Second thing here is that we saw an, uh, a record number of underclassmen declare for this draft this year. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel like there were some prospects that weren't necessarily getting their due, getting discussed in some way. Like these guys will definitely be summer league guys with the advent of two-way contracts. There are 60 new contracts across the NBA now that you know undrafted guys realistically have a shot to acquire. So yeah, I think that it's worth kind of looking at uh, the big picture and looking at 120, 100, like whatever your number is, yeah. like you can certainly go far beyond 60 because, you know, someone like Amir Coffey, who's like in the 80s somewhere, he's almost definitely going to be on a two-way contract and he's going to make 
three hundred thousand dollars. I will so, say you definitely. So Nas, he's going to make Nas Reese's. Yeah, uh, there you go. LSU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely yeah. not three hundred thousand. Transfer 000. to LSU. Um, and I mean, like the Patinos are way, uh, <laughs> way on the radar of the FBI. So I, I don't know if Amir could have gotten that money. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I do appreciate that though about you that that it would be very easy for someone in your position to just basically churn out Zion articles over and over and over, and you're not afraid to. It'd be more to, profitable for me too. <laughs> <laughs> and the athletic. Yeah, like I, I think I'm just doing yeah. my company a disservice. At this yeah, point. I'm really bad at my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad at. My now profession. that I think about it, like yeah, what, what am, am I, I doing? doing? <laughs> it is. Uh, you're in that. You're like. Uh, there's so many mock drafts out there. We were doing this yesterday, so I, I, we're trying to figure out how to like break this down because as we're going through like all the different like mock drafts that are out there. there there's so many ranges for different guys where you'll mm-hmm. see one guy like Ty Jerome could be 21 in one draft and then he could be 46 mm-hmm. in another mock draft. Right. What, whatever it may be, there's just this massive range. So we were trying to find like what are the fringe lottery guys, fringe first round guys and sort of just actually map it out. Right. But I don't even know what the spectrum is. I don't know what well, the range this is. This year's hard. I'll yes. say that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's start big picture and talk about because that, that's what you have to do with drafts. Yes. Is you have to say going in this is a low. If this is a loaded draft, but is it the 03 draft? Is it that loaded? Well, no. Or t- typically, you it's say, this draft sucks. This draft sucks. Yeah. But mm-hmm. is it the what was the what's the worst draft? 2013. Is that the uh, one? Yeah, or the, the recent Anthony one. Bennett that's like one. yeah. Yeah, that one. Was, that, so then you're like, like, is it that bad? That, like people you get look back on that. Yeah, Giannis, Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert, yeah. CJ McCollum, Oladipo. Stephen Adams, Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think that the way that you go about rating a draft, right? Cody Zeller. Yeah, exactly. Just a killer for your Charlotte Hornets. I think that the way that you go about a draft is how much value is a team going to get uh, the team that selects the player going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 2013 draft, while we saw so many guys uh, in that draft become great players, the problem was that it was difficult to identify which ones mm-hmm. were going to become great players. Like Giannis and Tedekumpo, like John Gavoni was over in second division Greece trying to find this guy. And that's basically how he got found is like, you know, John heard from one team or two teams or something. That there's this kid and four days, five days before the draft, basically, people were like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to go 15th or, you know, might go late lottery. And John Hammond said, what is his wingspan again? I know, 7'5", and and we're good. We're in. Yeah. Uh, It's so funny the way the Magic are building that team now, too. Oh, yes. It's all wingspan. (laughs) All I think Um, about when I think of John Hammond is that picture of uh, Larry Sanders, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and John Henson all standing on the block with their arms (laughs) all the way out, and it goes all the way across the court. Well, the funniest was last year they took... Muhammad Bamba, who has like a plus nine wingspan. Yes. They took Melvin Frazier, who has like a plus seven or eight wingspan. My cousin, yes. And then they took, yeah, that's right. You're a big mm-hmm. Melvin Frazier guy. Yeah, I love guy. Melvin. And then they took Justin Jackson out of Maryland, who has like a plus seven or eight wingspan. So like it was, I think <laughs> that's their, hilarious. their aggregate was like plus 27 <laughs> in terms of wingspan. It was just like the most absurd. Thing that reminds me of, a, I, I talked to Coach Mata about recruiting one time. And uh-huh. he's, I, I said, like, what do you look for in recruiting? What, how do you, how, when you're going to an eighth grade basketball game, how do you know yeah. like a kid's going to be good in, in five years when he's actually going to play in college. And I swear to God, he said this and it, it stuck with me forever. I look for skinny ankles. That's right. No, like, seriously. What? That's a real thing. Yeah. People look for skinny ankles because it shows like a lack of development basically or lack or like a, you know, a guy that isn't quite developed yet. That is real though. Like that's, I mean, like I don't look at it, but it's a real thing that college coaches. Look I'm at. sure, I'm sure it works. I'm just like, yeah. like the, the, the idea that you're like, Normal people like Tate and I would go to these games and we would just be like, I don't know, the guy who scored 40 points in the game, I'd probably recruit him. That's and the probably coaches a better like, way to do yeah, it. Yeah, the way. coaches are staring at their ankles like, hmm. <laughs> like, son, let me ask you a question. Can I can I measure your ankles real quick? And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It makes me think of like, the Bill Clinton cankles thing on Family Guy. <laughs> I love them cankles. 
Uh, so, so speaking of this draft as a big picture, uh, 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 it feels, as Tate was alluding to earlier with the Ty Jerome example, yeah. it feels very wide open after, I, I think, and you can stop me if I'm wrong, Zion is one to the Pelicans. Yes. Um, like the no, Pelicans I, are keeping it, they're taking Zion. Yes. The Grizzlies are keeping their pick and they're taking John Morant. Probably, Prob- yes. Probably um, 90%. So I think 80%. That there's some, yeah, I'd say like 80. Okay. Um, there's like some gamesmanship happening right now, I think, where they still have your guy, Mike Conley, on the mm-hmm. roster. And it looks like they're going to trade Mike this year and John Gavoni, who we've already mentioned here. Uh, earlier, uh, right after the lottery, basically reported, you know, Memphis is closed in on John ja Morant and they're mm-hmm. going to take him. Ownership wants to take him. I think that there's something happening right now where like Memphis is trying to take back some leverage maybe to be able to trade Mike Conley before they draft his replacement, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I would say 80%. Yeah. So for, for our purposes, let's just say it's, yeah, sure. it's probably, yeah. yeah. Um, but then after that, what ha- like I, I think you're in agreement, certainly, that we we don't necessarily love RJ Barrett, but we I, I don't know Tate maybe maybe you disagree with this, but I just assume that you you share this thought. RJ Barrett is the third best player in the draft, right? You don't think so? Tate's looking at me like definitely not. I think Kobe, Sam. I know you I, I agree. Think Kobe with me. White is the third. Best okay, player you're crazy. In, in the Sam. Uh, all right, okay. Kyle. Let's let's mute. Let's get ahead of this uh, North Carolina Ohio uh, State. Let's fair. Mute, we gotta be mute his mic now. Oh. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I think everyone is trying to find the six eight small forward. We've all been trying to find that guy for a long time. I don't care about that because player. He, I don't care about finding the next LeBron because there's only one of one. I care yeah. about finding the next point guard that can score like Steph Curry. No, I think that that's White. reasonable. I don't really think that's Kobe, but like I think that that's a totally yeah. reasonable thing. Where I think that the a guy who can create offense at the greatest level, mm-hmm. which tends to be the lead guards now, just given the way that the game is called and given yeah. the way spacing is so important, um, that guy tends to be the one that's most important on mm-hmm. the floor now. So I agree with you to a pretty real extent. I just don't think it's Kobe. I, I do yeah. love that that the, you, you pulled a great move here when you talk about draft guys. Is where you compare a prospect to an already. Great, great player. player, yes. And then now, right. we're, now we're not talking about Zion versus John ja Morant. We're mm-hmm. talking about LeBron versus Russ Westbrook and versus right. Dame Lillard. And Dame Kirk. Lillard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, what am I looking you're for? Like, you would take Dame Lillard eleventh, and you're like, no, I'm not actually talking about Dame Lillard. I was, well, I was yeah, talking about I, Darius Garland. Like, it's so many Dame people Lillard. jump into this. Like, is it a stylistic yeah. comparison? Is it a you know this guy's going to be this guy comparison? Just don't. Like, I, yeah. I just don't even. But, but I'm just like, this is not worth. But my you time. think? Uh, I, I know you think this because you said, but maybe you changed your mind three days ago when I talked. To you about sure. it, but RJ, I do. Yeah, it's, I think it's, RJ's it's Zion, then John Morant, then RJ is clearly the third, and yeah. then it, I think RJ is like pretty close to John Morant, honestly. Yeah. And I think like part of it is people are underrating RJ a little bit because you know they don't see the work that goes in behind the scenes. Like RJ is just like a psycho worker in like every mm. single way. Um, he but, did, he, but he, he will only work out for the Knicks. I, we do know that. Right. Yeah, he will yes. only work out. Yeah, yeah, it was weird yesterday that he just came out. Yeah, I only want to be in New York. Like, <laughs> but, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to be a thing, given the fact that they're trying that, to trade right, the pick right now. Say, but yeah. like, Knicks are like, funny thing about that is uh, we're trading that pick to the Pelicans, and you are number two to Zion again. Again, Right, yeah. yeah that would be yes. hilarious. That would be so funny. They're, like, close, though, so I don't think that he would mind there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett don't necessarily – strike me as a situation that I would want if I was a yeah. Knicks fan, mm-hmm. but uh, RJ is just a lot better than Kevin Knox, so I, w- I would deal with Knox. I will say, uh, meeting RJ for five seconds at that pro day that I went to with Odin, and you were, yeah, you were there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
I, I talked to him for like five seconds, and the fact that he shook my hand was a big deal to me, Tate. That won't there be it over. is. That won't be over. And I was like, mm. this is a good kid. This is <laughs> I it a dap or a shake? It was a shake. Oh. He walked over to talk to Greg. He judged you. He walked over. He talked to Greg. Yeah, he probably did. He did. It was, it was Obama like, in the locker room. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. he's like dabbing over everybody. Like, he's like giving Greg like 50 different handshakes. He's like, hey, how's it going, sir? Hey, this is Joe Biden in the background. Uh, no, I, talk, I talked to him for a little bit, and um, I was surprised. Uh, it, it, he, he did kind of surprise me because Tate I've made a million jokes about R.J. Barrett mm. and being a ball hog and, and yeah. just looking out for himself and being Fair mad. Fair jokes, by the way. Yeah, being mad that Zion's better than him. I don't necessarily think it's like a conscious thing with him. I don't think he's like... Again, I'm basing this off of a two minute conversation I had with him, but um, I I, I was kind of surprised like his demeanor and his the way he was talking. Like he he doesn't really seem like an asshole. He just seems like a guy who's like I know how to get buckets. I don't really know what else to do on a basketball court, and that is why I shoot 35 times a game. Um, right. and th- and that made me like more of a fan of his in some way. Like it's still a problem that he shoots every time he touches it, but Mamba it's not. Mentality. He doesn't yeah. have the he doesn't have the attitude of like I'm shooting because. Zion has 12 more points than me right now, and I got to catch up to him. I don't think that's his mindset, and I, that's what no. I learned in a two-minute conversation. <laughs> You're saying that he didn't know he took 30 shots. Yeah, he, he didn't just know felt I did. like he had to take yeah, all he's these like, shots. I, I was open, so I shot it. I think and that happened. I think 30 that's times. a much better way to be anyway. If you're RJ Barrett, yeah. he just blacked out. Like I blacked, I blacked out. <laughs> he blacked out. Woke up and you know, oh, 30 shots Syracuse. later. Yeah. yeah. So so after RJ, so if those are the top three, uh, and it's and it's the Pelicans and Grizzlies are probably keeping theirs. The Knicks might trade. Who knows what the hell is going to happen there? But that's probably the sure. top. We're going into the draft. We kind of already know that's what's going to happen. Then everything seems to open up. As Tate said, there are a million mock drafts out there. Yours is one of them. Um, yeah. Everyone seems to have different ideas on what's going to happen, not only with pick number four, but like all the way through the rest of the draft. You have guys that are all over the place. The guy I keep coming back to is like the greatest example of this is Romeo Langford, who... I have no idea. Is he going to get drafted? Is he going to go seven? Probably. I have no idea. Yeah, somewhere I have in no that idea. Range. Somewhere in the seven, seven to, to 60. sixty range. Yeah. Um, so that begs the question because usually, to me, when a draft is this wide open, uh, the conclusion is that this draft must suck because, like, if no one can decide sure. on that's a that's a generational talent, let's take him. It must mean that there's just a bunch of average players. It's, would you agree with that? Like, you yeah. know more than me. Is is this an, a, a not a great draft? So I would say it's a. Good draft at number one. I would say it's like fine at two and three. Four to 14, is like four to 16, whatever you want to say, like those early, mid to late lottery picks or whatever. I think those like are... Like DeAndre Hunter for, to Bull Bull, like sure, that range. Yeah. I, I think Bull's not good. So like, I, I, <laughs> but like, Did you not see that turnaround three he took right, that one time? Like, that one shot. Yeah. yeah. Come on. That was a not, good shot, though. Not a guy that I would be drafting. But uh, He's got skinny ankles. <laughs> he has skinny ankles. skinny everything. <laughs> but like uh, from four to 14, I think that what happened this year is because very few players that were upperclassmen, like you can look at John Moran, you can look at... DeAndre Hunter, you know, maybe a couple other guys stood out as upperclassmen or guys that returned to college, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uncertainty about players in large part because they haven't quite developed yet, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of really, truly unfinished products that have entered this draft because they saw opportunity, right? Like this draft from four to 20, whatever you want to say it is, is kind of a mess, and if you have a big workout cycle, if you have a big um, if you you're know, combine, Ke- if, you're if you're Kevin Porter Jr. and you know that you can, you have the talent to be a lottery guy, and you right. can go work out for the Miami Heat, and they're going to say, "We'll take a chance on you." Sure. You can be like Josh Richardson. Like boom, Nick, you have Nick a chance. Claxton went from being yeah. like you know someone that nobody talked about this college basketball season. Oh, Bill's talking about to like number twenty. That's Bill's guy. 
Yeah, it's Bill's guy, but like, and like, I love Nick Claxton too. Like, I have him at 20, 21, something like that on my board. Yeah, Creed was at the combine and basically was like, I'm here to support Claxton and also tell I, him to come back to school. And also, I coach Dwayne Wade. Don't forget <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. And also, Victor Oladipo. Uh, you guys got to get Creed on the podcast. Oh, I would love that. Um, why don't, why don't, so if, if this is, if you, as you said, four to, through 20 is, is not n- anything to get particularly excited about, why, why don't teams, do, do the Patriots do this? Is, this is what's coming to mind. The Patriots accumulate like, picks. Yeah. Why not, why not like just trade pick number five for picks next year and just well, accumulate picks. So then in like the 2026 draft, you have the, you own the entire first round. I think that's teams, my idea. Yeah. I think teams should do that. Um, the part of the issue right now is that teams are more looking to use picks to like maybe jump out of the draft, uh, like in large part to try and get salary cap space. Yeah. So like Brooklyn a couple mm-hmm. days ago did the Tory Alan Brand Crab. Yep. Crab deal where Brooklyn sent Atlanta two first round picks and Atlanta took Alan Crab's contract because Brooklyn wants multiple salary cap spots. Mm-hmm. The Thunder, like the Thunder are trying to trade their first round pick. They don't want to just get like nothing in return like i was told that they want like a player who could help them somewhat like somewhere in the front court or something yeah. like that yeah so like trade the it... 21st pick and get a real player that can come in the rotation right yeah. but they also want to dump a contract mm-hmm. with it too mm-hmm. so like the deal that i floated to someone yesterday like this isn't me reporting that this is going to happen and i need to like clarify that yeah that's but, right because like, you're a real reporter we mm-hmm. we speculate sort all the time of. yeah like like the deal that i speculated to someone yesterday was like if they traded Andre Robertson in 21 to the Pelicans for each one more and 39 or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that, that would save the thunder like $10 million. That's like a John Rothstein tweet in the NBA right yeah, there. It's that like, really was. It's like, like, wow. It's like, my God, each one more. That's right. He's right. Playing. Like each yeah. one more exists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but like he can shoot the ball. It's a better fit yeah. for the thunder. Yeah. Um, the Pelicans get better draft capital mm-hmm. and the Thunder save like $10 million in the process. Like those are the kind of deals that I think the Thunder want to make right now yeah. um, to try and save money. And then, you know, additionally, I think there are teams that will look to try and uh, move out of this draft and accumulate picks maybe in a future draft. Now, part of the problem there is that, you know, most of the teams recognize that this draft is not awesome in terms of being able to identify <laughs> which guys are going to be good. So, what, like, so what, if, what if we just get a draft where everyone passes? Where it's like, <laughs> not yeah, like the, I don't want to, I don't want to. The Vikings did that one year. Just like pass. <laughs> we, no pick. Yeah. We, we, we don't want nobody. The pick is not in. We're good. Thank we want to, we want to, uh, you know, get the, get the lower cap slot value right now. So that begs the question, I, and you were talking about the Patriots. I mean, the Hawks have done that with this draft where they have They're the really eighth smart. pick, the 10th pick, yeah. the 17th pick, the 35th pick, the 41st pick, and the 44th pick. Yeah. So the Atlanta Hawks are basically saying, we don't know who's good, but we're going to pick a lot of guys and hope so the guy trade, one of them what, is. What the Hawks want to do is they want to try and like consolidate some of that and move yes. up, I think. And okay. get, like, mm. like they want to move up and down the board to try and get the guys that they've like identified, right? Okay. Because like there's like a, a thought maybe that Maybe a Cam Reddish. Yeah, there's a thought yeah. that it's Jarrett Culver. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, you know, it's either Culver or Reddish. I think if they stuck at eight, they'd probably take Reddish. But mm. I, I don't. I, it seems like it's Culver. Basically, mm. they've accumulated all these picks for a shitty draft. That's the problem. Now they're like crap. <laughs> I, I will say this though, because so many underclassmen have declared in this draft. I think there is like real depth. Yeah. Like once you get to twenty five, like the difference between number twenty five and forty five, I think is pretty negligible this year. So teams with second round picks, like. Most of these second round picks, like up through 50, I think should get like multi year guarantees. How much of it, when we talk about like, the, the, if it, when's the last time we went into a draft and we said this draft is loaded? Because it, it really, it last really, year. was it really last year? Yeah. 
Last oh, year's was God. good. Bad example. <laughs> <laughs> the last the last two years were really good. I swear it's like every year is like, I don't know, this draft is, but yeah, I guess last year. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Next year's is going to be worse than this one. Um, just because okay. there's not like that. RJ Nico Mannion. Zion. Nico Mannion. You're a Nico guy. I love Nico. I like Nico a little bit, yeah. Um, there's just like not that like superstar guy though right now. Nico Mannion is Chase Budinger, right? Calm down. Yeah, right. How dare you? Yeah, isn't that the same thing? Okay. No. Chase uh, Budinger without racist. the volleyball. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said his name <laughs> wrong on purpose because he didn't deserve it. Uh, Cole Anthony will be number one next year, right? Oh that's God. what they're all saying. That's, he what might everyone, be. that's what everyone's saying. He'll be in the mix. Like, w- seriously, though. I want to ask you something. Well, that is a bad draft. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Uh, I, you talk about like, the fringe, like lottery guys. So, like, you talk about the underclassmen. Like, I guess he's not te- technically that. He's a little bit of an older guy, but like uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Shay's brother or Shay's cousin. Shay Gojic Alexander's cousin, right? They're cousins. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, we saw him do some great things there. He shoot, shot like 39% from three and is a guy that will go like 16 to 20 range. But I could see him being like a Terry Rozier type where he could play and be yeah. a legitimate point guard in the NBA. And you're like, oh, we got real value at 16. So, I mean, how many of those guys where you're like, it's almost nice to be in that pocket of like 15 to 25 because someone may just fall into your lap, like a Danny Granger type situation. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big Nikhil Alexander-Walker guy. Yeah. I think he's really good. I think that he's long. I don't really see him as a point guard. I see him as like a secondary ball handler Mm -hmm. that you play next to a high-level point guard and get a bunch of playmaking on the floor, get some shooting on the floor. He's gotten a lot stronger, so he can defend a little bit now. Um you know, maybe he's not a point guard just because he's not, he doesn't have that burst, right? Like he can split pick and rolls, but like, he's not going to be able to get to the lane consistently and like dunk over guys like even Terry can. Right. But um, there's a lot of value for guys like that. Guys that can come in, knock down threes, provide some length on defense, just know what the fuck they're doing. Like that helps just knowing what you're doing Mm -hmm. on the floor. Um, So yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan of Nikhil Alexander Walker. Like you can look up and down this, you can see, I think Keldon Johnson's one of those guys. Um, you know, I'm a big Grant Williams guy. Like, I think Grant Williams is going to be really good. Uh, Carson Edwards is a guy that, you know, the biggest skill. So I fucked up on Landry Shamit last year. Mm. I thought Landry Shamit was going to be awful and mm. was very wrong. Uh, the skill that I missed on with Landry Shamit is that he can sprint off of, like, screens, stop and just catch and shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to do that at full speed is an incredibly difficult skill. Like, we were watching the game. What was that? We were, it was game three yeah. where Steph was going nuts, and he was he was hitting his uh, his usual absurd Steph shots. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that were getting lost in the shuffle at how hard they were are just, like, simple pin downs, and he curls off a screen, and he's got a guy on his hip, and he's tur- curling and hitting threes. Yeah, like, that shit's and, so hard. And, and that's, that's and not then, showing up in his highlight yeah, reel because it's and not, the like, fan that watches court, that is right. like, that's an open shot. Yeah. They're like, why didn't he make that open shot? He's and like, I turned he was to just running full speed a yeah. second ago, and now he's stopped on a dime, and now he's taking. And he's a got shot. a guy on his right. hip with the hand in his. And I was like, yeah. God damn, that's like that might be harder than like the the thirty five footer to be honest with you, because at least that one's open. Yeah, well, and you're like set when you're yeah. taking it most of the time. And Reddick's one of those guys too, where you were to see JJ Reddick, he will literally sprint all the way around and then somehow get open in right. the corner, and it's like, how in the hell does he have the energy to do that and the durability to do that? Mm-hmm. And it's made right like Carson Edwards can't play point guard at the mm-hmm. next level I don't think like he had a negative assist to turnover ratio this yep. year but if you just put him in a role where he's next to a guy like Ben Simmons playing point guard and you let him be the transition point guard that 
you know, takes a drag screen and then runs around the drag screen. And like, you have a six eleven point guard and a six one shooting guard. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, I think I that's that, the best that, way yeah, to do it. Right. Like, no, you're right. It's just like the visual would be hilarious. Like, Cause I'm, I'm thinking back to like third grade basketball where you line up your guys, like tallest to shortest. And then that's, right, who, that's exactly. who you, you know, and the tall guy wears <laughs> like number tall, 50 yeah. or whatever. But there's a big point guard. So, you know, that'd be <laughs> kind of funny. How um, upset is Ben Simmons right now that I've seen all this talk that Zion Williamson, have you seen this? If Zion Williamson is going to be the first point center in the NBA to take over. That, that is the, the, I don't even know what that means. Is to that call not Giannis up. too? Is exactly. Like, like, like the Bucks yeah. play Giannis at center. Yeah. Like. Zion's six, six. I mean, uh, yeah, Giannis is, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how we've gotten to this point where he's like, <laughs> yeah. everyone is like, he's By the going way, to be a point center. What is a this? point center? Did you, did you read like two tweets from Duke fans? And you're like, everyone's <laughs> no. saying, <laughs> I just got headlines sent to me. They're like game changer. Like these are pioneers of the game. I was like, Ben Simmons is six eleven, and I'm pretty sure he's a point this center. Is, this is a John Chark special, right? Yeah. Now. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I love John Sharks, but like, this is a, this is a uh, pattern of basketball. Like to a T thing. That's what I'm um, saying. So, like, as a person that's making all these drafts, and you have to put the the position. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what position they put these guys. Like Kelton Johnson, I was reading one of these little scouting reports, and was like, could slide him down to the four at times in the NBA. <laughs> and I, in my mind, Kelton Johnson is like a Bradley Beal two guard. I feel like everyone's lost yeah. their minds with positionless basketball. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like, like the a, positionless Kelton basketball thing is like a two three. I mean, people get excited about the four because he had like an eight eight standing reach or whatever at the combine. Mm. But you look at Kelton Johnson. I mean, he's not that big. I mean, you probably don't want to play him at the four because he's not going to be a guy that can rebound at a level commensurate that you need from the four, right? So, you know, it's all about mixing and matching skills as much as anything. Uh, like, you can get the requisite point guard skills that you need from the center position, like you mm -hmm. said. Um, you can get the requisite center skills that you mm -hmm. need from the point guard position, like Russell Westbrook grabbing defensive rebounds and leading the break. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all about mixing and matching skills, I think, more than anything. But you need to have, like, a level of size and skill out there. You know, who, you know who invented positions of basketball is Bo Ryan, the swing offense. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Bo Ryan posting up his point guards way back in – the early 2000s. I want to know how Jordan many people. Taylor, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, who's the guy that takes credit for, like, the double team? He's like, I'm yeah, the first I, guy I, that guy decided double team. Put two guys on him. <laughs> yeah. One guy is one guy is good, but here's an idea. Rick Pitino uh, said, you, you should put two guys on this guy. I remember, Leonard should not shoot. I remember at the Final Four a couple years ago, like, when Bo Ryan was. It was Bo Ryan's. I think it was this, the Frank Kaminsky team that went to the final. And Bo Ryan, like took credit for inventing analytics. He was like, yeah, like when I was coaching my like, you know, girls team in the 1970s, I was counting points per possession back then. And I was like, oh, okay. We so, should do a, we should do a podcast where we attribute every, every concept mm -hmm. in basketball origins. to somebody. Baggy shorts or the Fab Five. Mm -hmm. The name Jalen's the Fab Five. Mm -hmm. Bo Ryan invented analytics. Rick Pitino invented shooting threes. Mm -hmm. He takes credit for that. He's like, I was the first coach to embrace the three and to, to embrace the press. It's like our Mac McClung invented dunking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go through it. <laughs> um, you, we, we've been talking about Keldon Johnson a little bit. Uh, where is Keldon Johnson the first Kentucky player pick? Because that's one mm. one thing that stood out to me as I'm yeah. looking at all the mock drafts is is PJ Washington, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson are all like right there. It's like with 16, each other. 17, 18. Yeah. So Tyler Hero is doing really well in workouts, from what I was told. He just started them this week. Um, has gone to I think three of them now and has performed really well. Um, Kelton Johnson is a little bit more up in the air because what teams look for are guys that like have these very specific translatable skills, mm -hmm. right? Kelton Johnson doesn't really have that. Like he's an all around player who's kind of good at shooting. 
kind of yeah. good at defense, kind of good at um, handling the ball. Like he mm-hmm. showed passing at lower levels, but didn't really show it this year at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how and he's from teams... a very small, like he's from South Hill, Virginia, very small yeah, area. So the competition right. was a question when he Up even until, went to Kentucky. Yeah. Cause yeah. he went to Oak Hill for yeah, then a he year went to Oak Hill, right? yeah, or two there. years or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, there's a little bit of a question on how that goes. Mm-hmm. And then PJ Washington has fans like late lottery all the way down through like 20. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really know the order they're yeah. going. Like, I think it's pretty up for debate. They're all very close prospects. They're very different prospects. But in regard to like how they translate, I think it's, you know, pretty close in regard to value mm-hmm. that they are. Mm. That's cool. Uh, I saw you tweeted, by the way, you, on your big board, you have DeAndre Hunter at number four, I believe. I do. Am I allowed to say that? Is that a, is that a, yeah, okay. Um, Again, Venmo yeah, Sam Venmo. Vicini. <laughs> yeah. What, um, what is my Venmo? I should get that yeah. out. Yeah, you tweet <laughs> it out. Yeah, they'll, they'll find you. They um, found Kyle. Yeah, Tom Shady 300, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle plugged it again. <laughs> um, Kyle you, needs bus fare. All right, quick break to talk about the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes that every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to renting a suit or tuxedo for their big day. It was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine. Mm. Sounds hilarious. I I could only imagine. (laughs) I'm imagining it right now, but it's even worse than that. Wow. Pass. (laughs) The Black Tux easy online ordering process begins your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on. So you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. If online isn't your style, the Black Tux also has showrooms all over the country. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. You won't find a rental experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux anywhere else. Kyle, you said you've never, you you don't do weddings. I'd love to do weddings. I don't get invited. My man Sam is getting married. He's Local? getting he's getting married, yeah, and uh, uh, we're, we're, you're gonna crash the wedding. We're gonna we're gonna use black tux and we're gonna yeah, crash the wedding. Dressed right, yeah. and we're gonna be better dressed than he is, and uh, that'll be White that'll tuxes. be yeah. Might be accurate. <laughs> might, might be real. <laughs> White uh, if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, rent your suitor tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy twenty dollars off with the code shining. That's theblacktux.com code shining for twenty dollars off your purchase. The black tux formal wear for the moment. Back to our interview with Sam Vicini. You are you are a believer in DeAndre Hunter uh, yeah. because you watch college basketball. But <laughs> um, I saw that you tweeted recently that you believe there's a chance that DeAndre Hunter could slide. Uh, was it out of the top ten? Was that what you uh, said? Like he could slide to like ten or eleven or something like you that. S- I think. Like what 10. What's the rationale? Because to to me that is shocking. I'm not saying you're wrong. Obviously, I'm just saying again as a guy who just watches college basketball. And I watched the national championship. I watched what he did. We have the the, the big debate seems to be Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter. Um, right. I'm not I'm not putting all the stock into one game, but I mean you got to put some stock into the fact that DeAndre Hunter played out of his mind in the national title game. Um, right. So teams, so to me, it'd be shocking if DeAndre Hunter fell out of out of the top five. Top five. Yeah. Even. Yeah. So like teams have this innate ability to overestimate their talents in regard to development. I think Um, DeAndre Hunter is a guy that isn't like some crazy athlete, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, His jump shot is super slow developing. Mm -hmm. Like it's, uh, you know, he made what, like 39% from three Mm -hmm. over his two years, something like that. Yeah. But didn't take high volume because he can't really get them off. Yeah, it does take a while to kind of wind it up. Yeah, Right. Like the highlight that showcases that as much as anything is the shot that Zion Williamson blocked into like the 50th row coming from the opposite side of the paint. Yeah. so teams worry about that. They worry about just generally what his offensive value is. Nobody worries about the defense, but 
NBA teams just think that, you know, they can scheme defense. And they yeah, they don't play defense in the NBA, so who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Literally. Calm down. Yeah. Stop tweeting at me. Calm down. Um, so I think teams just, like, overestimate their ability to develop guys. You know, like, for me, part of why I have DeAndre Hunter at four is I think that you're getting a guy that, like, Damari Carroll for the Hawks stands out. Like, Damari Carroll was a borderline all-star, like, top 50 player in the league uh, when he played for the Hawks because he did so many things offensively, did so many things defensively, parlayed that into a four-year, $60 million contract with the Raptors, uh, and just was awesome. And I think and that didn't if, take shots away from other guys. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that if you can get a guy like that, it's mm -hmm. incredibly valuable, number four. And, like, I think there's real upside with DeAndre Hunter beyond that. Like, I think he can handle the ball in a straight line. Uh, he knows how to play basketball from playing in the Virginia scheme. Uh, there's just a lot that he can do that I think, uh, and his trajectory continues to get better and better every year. Like, people look at the age. He's going to be 22, I think, at some point in his rookie year, and just, you know, go, oh, yeah, this guy has not as much upside left as Cam Reddish. Well, you know, you look at Cam Reddish, he's kind of stagnated in terms of skill over the last couple yeah. of years, and then you look at DeAndre Hunter, he's gotten better every year since he was, like, 16 years old. So It feels like... DeAndre Hunter, watching his whole career progress, that he he's like slowly learning how good he is. It's like people were telling him he was good. And he's like, I don't believe you. And then he's he's starting to unlock mm -hmm. it. And yeah, like like Super you said, quiet kid, yeah. yeah, that that's always been the thing, which is why you get these moments uh, where he's passive because it's. Uh, I mean, it kind of happened in the title game. He, he kind of started a little slow, and 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 you, you as I'm watching, I'm like, why is DeAndre Hunter not just like killing from the start? Right. And I think that's kind of his mindset. He's like, are, am I really the best player on the floor? It's like, DeAndre, yes, you are you are the best player. Go kill. And he's like, okay, I guess I will. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Like the progression of watching that and who knows, like four years from now when he finally realizes just how good he is. I do I think know. it works both ways where I think people knock him because they're like, he's getting shots created because of the offense that's being drawn up and the fact that a guy like Ty Jerome mm -hmm. is creating these, like even the the three that he hit where Ty looks like he's going to go in for the easy two and kicks it out and he hits the big three to tie the game. You know, that was a shot that was created by Ty Jerome and he hit the shot. Right. Granted, that's great. Trevor Reza, you know, made a creator hit an open corner three. Right. So Trevor Reza made a hundred million. Exactly. So, so like, there's a there, there's a great upside in that. But the good news is he has a 7-2 wingspan. John Hammond, I repeat, he has a seven-two <laughs> wingspan. If I'm if I'm DeAndre Hunter and I'm I'm interviewing with these teams, I just say I only say one thing. I walk into the room and I say, they lost to a 16 seed without me. We won the national right. title when I played. And I like strongly, good day, sir. And I yeah. walk out of the room. My, my like very, finals MVP. My very strong take on this is that they would have not lost to UMBC. Oh, we're we're without, we're on board with you. That's why yeah, I was yeah. like all, all the all the podcasts we've done talking about it. I'm almost in tears, and uh, people <laughs> have have heard me make this point a thousand times. But that that's why I believed in Virginia last year. That's why I believed in them this year because DeAndre Hunter gave them a, a wrinkle that they never had, which is and we saw it. The best example was the game at Cameron this year. That uh, Virginia actually lost, but I came away from that game very excited about Virginia because that whole game turned into one on one, right. and we saw a Virginia basketball we had never seen where they were like, "Our offense isn't working. Let's just throw the ball to DeAndre Hunter and let him go one on one," and it was kind of working. And right. he's that good, and I I love DeAndre Hunter, so I hope he gets drafted high. But then again, um, that would mean he's going to a shitty team, right? So maybe let him slip to like seventeen. That'd be great. I don't even know who has the seventeenth pick. Pacers. I would love Hawks for him. Now. Yeah, oh, Hawks. Pacers have eighteen. Let him go to 18. Someday I, I would know. love if the Atlanta Hawks were able to figure out a way to get Cameron Johnson and DeAndre Hunter on the Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young and John Collins. Oh, that'd be great. That'd, that'd be a be team that I would watch fantastic. all the time. So how Honestly, do, and by would, all the time, you'd watch like 10 games. Yeah, well, I, I would have to like, you know, disown the Hornets a little bit. <laughs> well, here, how do, how do you feel about Cam Johnson? Because I think that that's like kind of a you know, yeah, that's a good, that's question a good, right now. Uh, 
I got a text from a workout with Cam Johnson that said he made 95 out of 100 threes, and you know how that works. Yeah. That That is completely, I mean, <laughs> take that for what it is. But I do know Cam Johnson is, I think. Well, there's the video of Nick Stauskas making like 92 of 100 in the rain. It, yeah, it is driveway. Exactly. Yeah. So we all know what that means. It means nothing. But basically, I think Cameron Johnson was the best shooter in college basketball this year, and that's an unbiased yeah. opinion. I think he has a quick release, and I think he's 6'9". So it's one of those things where Durant, everyone's like, well, he can just rise up above people. I think that Cam Johnson can Dude. rise up a bunch of, uh, you know, over yeah. guys and get shots off when he needs to, especially if he's playing the two. I and feel he's mashed like, up with guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". Are you not going to take Kevin Durant in the top? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the there top you go. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's Kevin Durant, for God's <laughs> sakes. You're, you're telling me you're going to take him in the second round? If you get Cam Johnson as the number two to Trey Young as the Clay Thompson, I think that's a great way to try to beat the system in the sense that you can go three. For, right. You do the same thing. You know what I mean? They've, they've mirrored themselves, the Hawks, after the Warriors a little bit anyways. They've done that for a while. Right. So I, I could see that fitting in. So I would love to see those two guys go there. You get a legitimate small forward, get a guy like Cam Johnson who can just add and also help Trey Young not get completely you know, covered by everyone. Yeah, for sure. They definitely want to add shooting. Yeah. Being on a Ringer podcast and you know, <laughs> being that this is Bill Simmons' company, I feel like I have to throw out a cross-racial comparison here. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Just got, got to do this it. Is, wow. This is going to confuse uh, a lot of listeners. But the, Yeah, continue. I know. Like, you have to compare only people of the same race. Yes. I don't know if you And only the same hand. If he's left-handed and you compare him to a right-handed player. Then it's just totally it, wrong. It's he kind of reminds me well. of Swin Cash. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do cross-gender comparisons, too, also. I love that. But the name that I've gotten for uh, Cam Johnson is Steve Novak. Mm. Like, uh, Steve Novak played for a decade yes. in the NBA. He was just an absolute 40% three-point shooter, 6'9". I'll give you another one, Mike Dunleavy Jr. Sure. I gotta, I gotta be honest, honest, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> the the cross-racial doesn't work for me. It's just like my brain is broken trying to picture Cam Johnson. It's, it's like, are they similar? I never really thought about it that way. It's like, just no, imagine it can't, Cam it can't Johnson work. flashing the bell. Like, it'll be great. Um, but yeah, like people question whether or not Cam Johnson is going to be able to play defense at a level commensurate with staying on the floor in like the playoffs, right? Yes. Um, just because he's so skinny and, you know, he's 23 years old already, so you can figure he's probably not going to add like a crazy amount of bulk. Like he'll get better at basketball, but mm-hmm. um, like his body is probably done developing to an extent. But How many times have you heard a guy that's 23 years old in the draft and someone has said, you know, Devin Booker's 23? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's like... That, that is like well, the number one thing. Every time yeah. I see a guy's 22, 23, they're like, well, Devin Booker's 23. Yeah, Cam Johnson, like, yeah. I think, is legit like... I think it's like five or six months older than Devin Booker, <laughs> which is hilarious. And Devin Booker just got like a $170 million max extension or whatever. I do feel it like is. that is one of those weird things where like someone could be in a draft room, everyone agrees they want to take a guy that is that age, and then one guy says, you know Devin Booker's that age? Everyone's like, oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> wait, wait, no, no, no. I'm a, wait, uh, this is breaking uh, news? Bomba. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the wingspan. <laughs> Give me who, Melvin Frazier. <laughs> who uh who's who's the one guy that you can't figure out in this draft that, um, that you've been having a hard time evaluating? That's Is a there good one? Question. Yeah, there are a few. Um I would say Bull Bull is up there. Uh I'm not really a Bull Bull guy. Uh some people think he should go in the lottery. I have him at like 37 because I just don't Wow. Like I, I just yeah. don't trust him to get better at basketball realistically <laughs> um and i think he needs to improve his body to such an immense extent like he has the high center of gravity so he's going to get pushed around automatically um and he lost 30 pounds now in the time wait what he, he lost 30 pounds yeah since from, being hurt yeah from the time that he was at oregon started the year he's listed at 235 pounds mm-hmm. or whatever and at the combine he weighed in at like 207 or something like that 
So uh, he's doing a workout here in Thousand Oaks. Just try and go, obviously, because I know you I will get a go. lot out of those. I will go. Um, it's I will like select teams, I guess, are getting invited. Um, Titus is going to come out that bull. bull shook my hand. Yeah. I, I, love, him. I, think I love him. Number, number one pick. He's got more grit than Zion. Bull Bull called me sir. And that, to me, yeah. folks, that tells me a lot. Called you coach. <laughs> How's it going, coach? coach? Love it. Um, so, yeah, no, he's just like, you can get centers pretty yeah. easily, I mm-hmm. think, in the NBA now. The other guy is Casey Apollo. Uh, you know, 6'8. Casey Apollo. Stanford guy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. the funny thing about Apollo is he shows up to the combine. Um, I think he measured in at like six seven two five without shoes, mm-hmm. and then weigh or measured in at six nine and a half with shoes. Oh, he's got the Tom oh Cruise boots he wore on. Tom Cruise boots. That's awesome. The combine. Um, but the, the reason that I struggle with him a little bit is a he is like a one year shooter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he really improved his jump shot from freshman year to sophomore year. Very young for his class as well. Like I think he just turned twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, what is his level as a shooter, first and foremost? But also, uh, he's a guy that can handle the ball, not a super explosive athlete like Giannis, but I think he kind of thinks of himself as Giannis because I've asked him about it and he sees himself as like a Giannis. So uh, then uh, the other problem is. If I were to compare same. myself to anyone, I'd say Giannis with a mix of Will Chamberlain. Yeah, right. Giannis, a dash of James Harden and uh, some Duran in there but as well. The <laughs> other problem, the bigger problem with trying to project him basically is Stanford played this goofy defensive scheme. Yeah. Jared has. Yeah. Where Jared has. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Where they basically closed out hard and like flew by on three point attempts every single time Mm -hmm. because they wanted to reduce the number of attempts of three pointers and they finished first in the country in terms of three point attempt percentage against. So successful there. Their defense sucked at the end of the day because they were just flying by and guys were getting into the paint and creating all sorts of offense and getting them into rotation that way. So what teams are struggling to figure out is what is his uh, kind of level defensively? Does he have the feet to actually stick with guys on the perimeter and close out soft and then turn his hips and then recover backward? So I think that uh, he's probably the toughest guy for me just because I don't think we have enough information on him. Yeah. Yeah, when I, by the way, when I said that Sam's the hardest working guy at this, uh, I don't know if you caught that, Tate. He voluntarily watched a lot of Stanford basketball this year, so that's how you know. I did. That is a— uh, West Coast basketball. He watched He watched Stanford basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm, try, I'm trying that's to think, insane. what is, like, the worst team that, is, that I watched this year? They're up there. They they were tough. Like, teams that I watched a lot of this year. Um, I watched a decent amount of Tulsa. That wasn't great. Because <laughs> they have Daquan <laughs> Jeffries, who's, like, 6'5", 7-foot wingspan. He's interesting. Speaking of terrible teams, Wake Forest's own Jalen Horde. That's oh, a guy yeah. that I'm— Wake I, was bad. Yeah. Wake I, is the worst team I watched this year. Yeah, sure. I, I'm just confused as to, like— I've seen him in mock drafts, Jalen Horde at the start of the year. They had him listed at like number 11, number 10 on yeah. mock drafts. And now I'm seeing him at 52, Dude, seeing him is, at 35, I'm seeing him I at 21. I swear this is everybody in this draft. Like Romeo is beyond, I, I keep going back to Romeo just because I'm the Indiana guy and I've had my own Romeo uh, draft well, stock forever, Rome, but he's, he's all too. over the place. You know what? Romeo's a really hard evaluation because at the end of the day, what you have to figure out with Romeo is how much did the wrist injury harm his shooting percentage? Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah. he was something like a 32, 33% shooter from three in high school. Uh, if you look at the numbers there, I've like access to some of them, not all of them. Um, <laughs> but whereas this year he shot like 29% from three. Now the, the thing that scares me about Romeo's jump shot is he has two issues, like even beyond just the wrist injury, right? He's always had an unnatural wrist bend where like he, bends his wrist uh, on the jump shot to like a 90 degree angle for some reason. Um, 
gets like a lot of spin on the ball, gets a high arc on the ball, but I think it's harder for him to get a consistent release point because of it. And then the second part is he's inconsistent in regard to his feet uh, leading into the jump shot. Yeah. Like sometimes he'll go left, right, go up. Sometimes he'll go right, left, go up. Mm. Um, I talked to a couple teams that saw them even work out uh, before games, like in shoot arounds and stuff. And he was working really hard on it. But they even told me like when he was warming up and you know doing workouts that the footwork was never consistent and the release point was never consistent. He just reverts back like yeah, and, start, and yeah. he never made uh, more than like three or four in a row. Yeah. even like in you know wide open uh, yeah. practice gym settings. So I, I worry about the jump shot. Like I think some people are just like saying this is a throwaway year. Like he'll uh, you know he'll shoot it at some point, but I, I don't know if that that's is the case. that is an interesting thing as as the three point revolution has taken over the NBA. Uh, I, I feel like people are being less trusting of this idea that guys can learn how to shoot. I f- mm-hmm. I f- it feels like 10 years ago, you would take any guy, the, the most broken jumper in the world, and you're like, right. he'll figure it out. We can teach him how to shoot. There are all right. these shot, all these guys think they're shot doctors. We can teach guys how to shoot. But now I feel like people are less patient with that because you have such a, a big crop of shooters. Like everybody can shoot now. It's like, why draft the guy who can't shoot and work on him when I can take this other guy who already can shoot? Um, I don't know. That, that's been an interesting development. I want to talk about stuff. another Indiana guy quickly that can't shoot. His name is Chris Wilkes, and he plays for UCLA. And sure. his shot from his freshman year was pure, or it looked pure, at least when I saw him He's play. He's an Indiana guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was— and, and <laughs> Exactly. That's except, all you need to say. Except when he was at well, the foul line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes to California, loses all, all of his Indiana only worth one, so who cares? <laughs> He's got this little hitch in his shot now. He's apparently—they said he averaged—or he only gained six pounds of muscle. He has tiny ankles, but he's only gained six pounds of muscle, so everyone's a little worried about that. They're like, what, he, this, the ankles aren't little, translating. I'll say this. He looks a lot bigger. Um, okay, good. from freshman to sophomore year. Like, he was the most confounding prospect to me because I, after we saw him as freshman, I'm like, that guy is going to be in the NBA and it's going to yeah, be I a good Yeah, I thought he was going to be yes. one and done. Yes. Like, he could have been, yes. probably, right? Like mm, He had a real bad combine last year. He got oh, combine really? invites both years. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he looked like he probably shouldn't be there last year to some extent. <laughs> like, mm. he was just so skinny and just wasn't ready to yeah. deal with it physically. This year, you look at him, He's a lot stronger. Like his calves look bigger. That's nice. one thing. For Love sure. that. But his chest looked a lot thicker as uh-huh. well. Like he could actually deal with getting hit around the basket and not falling over. What's like the most? What, by the way, what's the most like homoerotic you've caught yourself talking about? Like guys' uh, bodies. Too, <laughs> like, too have, you ever, too, have you ever been like having conversations with friends and you realize like I've just been breaking just like, down this guy? What the fuck am I doing here? Like what his am I talking about? Biceps are just oh the work he put in and just oh my god. <laughs> Love oh, to see man. that. All right, all right. Before we let you go. Um, uh, international report, just real quickly. Need an international report. Uh, I was is, just watching international mm, tape. Why? Why are people not talking about Euroleague MVP Jan Jan Vesely? How do you say his name? Vesely. John Vesely. Uh, I history has taught us that the if number, his name was John Wesley, he would have yeah. never been picked. History has taught that's us that true. the Euroleague MVP is the move. Just draft the Euroleague right. MVP. That's that's the that's cool. the play. Why why are people not talking about it this year? I don't understand. Well, the Euroleague MVP this year is twenty nine. Oh, so that okay. helps. Mm. Last year he was nineteen. I don't know if last you heard. Last year was nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy that is like that over performer in Europe this year is Goja Bitadze. Uh, he is the guy that played for Mega when they played Kentucky in the Bahamas. And got hurt like five minutes into the game. He's like big seven footer or whatever. Um, he transferred this year from Mega to Budućnost uh, mm. in I yeah, I've heard of them in Serbia, Montenegro, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, played in Euroleague, averaged I think like thirteen points and seven rebounds in twenty minutes a game. I think he led the competition in blocks per game uh, whenever he was 
in play. Like he didn't play enough games there because he transferred mid-year to qualify. You got him number nine but on your I list overall. I have him number nine. Yeah. yeah. Um, good rebounder, six eleven, seven foot five wingspan. But like, I also won the Adriatic League MVP, which is mm. what Nikola Jokic won yeah. before he came over. Um, very different from Jokic in that he is not a passer. So you're saying it's not the Euro League; it's the Adriatic League. Yeah, that's he, the MVP we should be looking for. Yes, now. that's true. That's the yeah. new. <laughs> Just basically look for overperformers in regard to like age. Like mm. that tends to be a good barometer. And then um, ask for their birth certificate. It, yes, <laughs> yes. Do not get tangy and gumbo. For people that don't know this, Serge Ibaka <laughs> is allegedly 29 years old. Oh, the, the funniest one is. Uh, Google Ursa and Ilyasova's situation. <laughs> I won't. I'm just do your no, own research. Fine. Yeah, no, it's good. That's I'm a, not gonna. That's the best way to do it. That's how. That's again, how Tay and I handle things too. We yes. just say Google it, and then you're absolved of anything. I'm not gonna get fired. Yeah, you can't again. say what you mean. Yeah, we started Google. with a don't get yes. fired situation. We'll mm-hmm. end with a don't get fired situation. Um. All right. Anything else, Tate? Anything else we, want, we uh, have to get to? One last thing I have to ask you: of all the withdrawal guys that left sure. this class, uh, that came back to college, we got Bassey, Blackshear, Diakite, Dotson, Grimes, Marco Johnson, all these guys. Is there one guy that you were surprised did not stay in the draft just based on talent? or you just thought that maybe they would get a bump because of the combine, whatever it may right. be. Two-part question. That and also, is there one guy that you're excited to watch, like you think it's a great idea that he came back and you're like, sure. he's yeah. going to boost his stock? So let's start with the first part of that question. So I was not surprised that anyone returned. This is the first year that, I think I've been doing this five or six years mm-hmm. now, this was the first year that no one in my top 30 uh, decided to not go forward with the NBA draft. Um, like I would have had Trey Jones at something like 33, 34. Mm-hmm. Uh, Io move from Illinois would have been somewhere in the top 40. But this is the first year that no one in my top 30 decided to uh, return for, return to college for their sophomore year, junior year. So whatever. college basketball is dying. Yeah, yes. uh, basically. <laughs> um, in regard to a guy that I was a little bit surprised, I mean, Devon Dotson looked really good in that pro day that we saw. Yeah, he was. He, he was good. good. Uh, and then the next day he decided to return. I think Devon Dotson, I'm really excited to see him next mm-hmm. year. I think he's going to be an All-American, uh, just like a perfect Bill Self point guard. Uh, tough, kind of has that, like, you know, in the most, like, positive way. He's like a motherfucker yeah. in the best way. Yeah. Um, he's like a Devontae Graham type. I mean, right. He's a tough kid. He's yeah. just going to, like, end folks next mm-hmm. year, I think. Um, really good shooter. Good passer, not a great passer yet. Super quick. I think that as he continues to develop his pull-up game, I think he's going to go in the first round next year. Um, Jordan Wara was the other guy yep. that I think people were a little bit surprised about. Um, his problem was that he didn't go through any workouts before the combine and then got hurt like two days before the combine, so he couldn't play at the combine. So the first time that people saw him basically working out, or like a large number of players saw him, or executives saw him working out, was at the pro day, right? Yeah. Um, now teams went through and saw Louisville this year, obviously, so they probably should have made their own assessments there. But from what I was told, teams couldn't really come to a consensus enough evaluation on him to where he felt comfortable staying in and being like, okay, I'm going to be a top 40 pick. I'm going to be this. Um, So in regard to your question, 
which was uh, who am I excited to see next year? I, I'd say Devon Dotson. I would say Io Desunmu at Illinois. Uh, we were talking on yeah. what Wednesday about how we think Illinois is going to be pretty good this year. We were going year. through the Big Ten teams and who's going to be good. And then uh, I was like, yeah, Illinois would be better. And then we started thinking about, we're like, no, Illinois is going to be pretty good. And yeah. we're like, damn, Illinois is going to be really good. I mean, even Caleb Wesson going back to Ohio State makes you guys a, a real competitor in the Big yeah. Ten, I feel like, next yeah. year. Yeah, keep going. Keep talking. I like that. <laughs> I like that. We like that. Yeah. We like go. this a lot. Continue. Yeah. Continue. DJ yes. Carton. DJ Carton. Carton. Yes, yes. Um, but no, like they have the Georgian kid. Um, they have like a bunch of younger guys uh, that are there already. And like, I think Brad Underwood's really good. Yeah. So I just think that it's going to work out. But yeah. Same. I'm worried about <laughs> Illinois. Yeah, he, he got me worried about Illinois. Illinois basketball uh, is back. Sam, we appreciate it. We will uh, we'll, we'll have you back on at some point. Maybe, uh, th- yes. Uh, uh, we I'm need to... you for all the research that you're doing. Well, yes. I, I live like I li- two miles down the road. Yeah, yeah I know. It's kind of it's kind of inexcusable that this is the first time we've had you on, but uh, we, we appreciate <laughs> it nonetheless. Uh, go listen to Sam's podcast, Game Theory. I've made an appearance on there. Tate is not. Have you? Mm. No. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, I, I get that. Tate, weird. Do, do a home I, and home. Sign up. Say he's not coming back. Home yeah. And home agreement. yeah, he's not coming back until then. I might get you fired. <laughs> we can't. We can't yeah, have Tate on. Venmo me. <laughs> can't have Tate on until he's healthy. Yeah, I, there this you is go. my this is my protest for Kevin Durant. Yeah, now. can't have him on until he's healthy. Can't I, play. I, I compared can't myself play a to Kevin Durant earlier. He literally yes. compared himself to Durant earlier. Yes, yes. You know, just like what's his name from Stanford. You know, you just gotta say what you want to be and then see if it happens. Exactly right. Uh, Sam Vecini, thank you so much. Go check him out, theathletic.com and Game Theory Podcast. That's it.